The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show was pre-recorded earlier this week. The Everyday Wealth Radio Show and podcast are produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky and Soledad O'Brien. Ms. Chatsky and Ms. O'Brien are not employees or clients of the firm. They receive fixed cash compensation for acting as hosts and related activities and therefore have an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everyday-wealth. The 20 2021 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm Ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed, revenue generated, regulatory records, staffing levels and diversity, technology spending, and succession planning. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use in distribution of rating. Awarded September 2021 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Everyday Wealth with award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and personal finance expert Gene Chatsky. Presented by Edelman Financial Engines. Ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky and Soledad O'Brien. Hi, everyone. I'm Gene Chatsky. And I'm Soledad O'Brien. And you're listening to Everyday Wealth from Edelman Financial Engines. So every week we talk about this concept of everyday wealth, what it means, how you build it, how you protect it. Ultimately, I think you're building your wealth uh, to do something, whether it's financial freedom or you're trying to leave a legacy for your loved ones. But I think for many of us, maybe most of us, we're building toward the next Phase. Maybe you've watched your parents or your grandparents building toward the retirement phase of your life. And so earlier in the year, we did a show on phased or partial retirement. That was before the market started heading south and consumer prices started heading, I guess, north. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that the labor force among people 75 and over is expected to increase by 96.5% during the next decade. Workers who retired during the pandemic now say they would consider coming back to work. 50% of retirees do not fully retire. That makes sense to me. And instead pursue partial retirement. So I guess all of this, Gene, begs the question, is retirement even possible in a recession or a potential recession? I would say it has definitely changed. Given the markets, given the fact that we are in this 40-year high inflationary environment, Coupled with the overall economic landscape, which is rocky, and this looming question of whether we're heading into a recession, I imagine there are many, many people who are just giving, as they would say across the pond, a rethink (laughs) to what their retirement plans may be. As many of you know, this show is sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines, and every week we are guided by EFE wealth planners who provide insight and actionable steps to help grow and protect your wealth. We are so fortunate. We've got Isabel Barrow joining us this week. We love having Isabel on the show because she is strategic. She is tactical in her approach. And not only does she walk us through the why, but she has these great additional insights that all investors need to be keeping in mind, which is exactly what you can expect if you work with one of the over 300 Edelman Financial Engines wealth planners across the country. 
if you want to work with somebody who's looking out for you, and, and by you, I mean you specifically, give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call at 833-PLAN-EFE or at planefe.com. There's a very good chance you may actually have an EFE wealth planner right in your community. I'm excited to get into this topic. It's the first time in decades that we've had three severe headwinds Mm -hmm. for retirees. Obviously, you've had down markets before. We've had recessions before. Those are kind of cyclical. But now you have a down market, a potential recession, and then on top of that, high inflation, which is something, frankly, that people under the age of 50 really haven't experienced. Plus, you have a a global conflict, really a, a perfect storm when it comes to anxiety around, should you retire? Is this the right time? What should the strategy be? We're going to get to all of that with Isabel Barrow in just a moment. But first, let's hop right into the news. Jean? Yeah. As we talk about retirement, Soledad, I think many of the reservations that people like you and me and others out there are feeling are sort of coming from the fact that while the numbers on jobs are still very strong, The headlines on business in general are telling a a very different story. So take Alphabet, for example, otherwise known as Google. Back in the day, back in the day, we called that Google. Right. So Sundar Pinchai, who is the CEO of Alphabet, said earlier that the company would be slowing the pace of hiring this year. He basically asked his staff to dial up their energy, which, as you can imagine, <laughs> didn't sit particularly well. We know what well. that means. Dial up your energy. That means, can you do the work of three people? Because we've decided not to hire the other two. Exactly. And Facebook employees have been getting similar, uh, quote unquote, very blunt messages from CEO Mark Zuckerberg according to the Washington Post. And these two companies, they're just the tip of the iceberg. Microsoft, Apple, GM, all are slowing their hiring. Shopify, one of the darlings of the pandemic, announced this week it would be cutting a 1,000 workers. And all of this is happening because their business is slowing. It's earnings season. This is something that we've seen in the latest round of earnings reports out this week. And Shopify is making those cuts, 10% of its workforce. Why? Because consumers are slowing their spending. And that is all having a trickle-down effect on the entrepreneurs and small business retailers and e-tailers who sell through Shopify. So people are buying less of everything. And so bottom line, The efforts by the Federal Reserve to slow the economy and slow inflation by hiking interest rates are working. The question on the table this week has been whether they are working fast enough. That was the driving factor in the Fed's decision to raise interest rates by another three quarters of a percentage point this week. And the markets, which had largely already baked in this increase, were much more interested in what Fed Chair Jay Powell had to say about how aggressive the Fed was going to be going forward. But all in all, it has been a fast and furious news week. And sometimes when you come back from vacation, Soledad, you uh, regret you get it. a few days. <laughs> yes. You get, you get a few days to ease your way back Aww. in. That did not oh, happen yeah. for me this no, week. No, that's not happening at all. You know, I am obviously a tightly wound type A person. So vacations <laughs> for me are actually very hard. I'm going to be bad at retiring. I found it very interesting people's different strategies. Like I have one girlfriend who's thinking about retiring and she has done the, what I call the gap year. 
quit her job and she's taking the next year to think about it, what she wants to do. That seems not good to me. I couldn't do that. Then other friends who say they're strategizing right now in the job that they have, which they would admit they're kind of downshifting on, like they're working, they're still getting paid, but they're kind of phoning in a little bit more because they're going to spend this next year actually trying to figure out how they're going to retire. And then, of course, there's the other people who are just like, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I don't like this job. I'm just going to quit. So let's bring in Isabel Barrow, because I'm sure you have seen this in your clients. Is a strategy critical or can you just wing it a little bit? No, I really don't think you can wing it. I, I think Isabel's not a wing it kind of gal. No. Well, and part of it is because I'm also that, I mean, I'm a planner. You know, I, I want to have, I want to have everything organized. Type a. I love it. I am definitely type A. <laughs> and, you know, I was just having this conversation with a friend last night. And her husband is transitioning into retirement. And she was just kind of talking about like the lack of structure that they see in their days. You know, we live a goals-based life. We start out and we're thinking about saving for our wedding. And then we're thinking about saving for the first home. And then we're thinking about saving for our children's education. And then, you know, it's retirement, it's cash reserves, it's all these things. We spend our lives focusing on these financial goals that we have, these personal goals that we have. Then you get to retirement and you've accomplished the goals. You've sent the kids to school. You bought the house. You know, you saved enough for retirement. Now we're kind of left feeling like, what is there to do now? What do I do? What do I plan for? How do I fulfill myself? What goals do I need to have? So I really think it's important. And it's one of the initial questions that I ask a client when I'm sitting down with them. What are your goals for retirement? Let's not just talk about what are your financial goals, but what do you want to accomplish with your life? For a lot of people, especially those who have been really invested in their job, a career has been in many ways what defined them and gave them satisfaction in their lives. And maybe it was also the relationships that they had at work and losing all of those things can can make you sad. So I think it's really important to not only have a financial plan, but also have some goals. Volunteer, or maybe it's a part-time job, not because you need the money per se, but just for something to give you some fulfillment. But Isabel, I think what you're describing is what a very smart financial advisor described to me as the difference between financially planning for retirement and actually preparing for retirement. Figuring out how am I going to live? Where am I going to live? How am I going to connect with people? What am I going to do with my day? Like actually having some sort of semblance of what retirement is going to look like. And then you can back into how much it's going to cost. In today's volatile market, you might be tempted to sit things out thinking, I'll just wait until the market calms down. Talk to an Edelman Financial Engines Wealth Planner to learn more about the risks of market timing and other potentially costly mistakes. Call 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com to get connected. That's 833-PLAN-EFE or planefe.com. Would you say that at this moment it's more difficult to retire or are people just more anxious about it? I think the perception is out there that hey, things are really negative. Maybe I shouldn't retire just because I see in the news that things are negative. It doesn't really mean that your reality is that things are negative for you. It doesn't mean that your expenses have gone up exponentially or that your income is at risk or that, you know, all of a sudden your financial plan isn't going to work anymore. 
if you're not working with a financial planner or if you're not planning at all, even on your own, you know, it's the fear of the unknown and the perception of things being negative that can drive some of those decisions or inability to make a decision. But it's really important to remember that this is a snapshot in time. And when you retire, you don't all of a sudden say, all right, I'm retiring. Let's cash it out. You know, I'm, I'm 65. I'm retiring with my million dollars. Just give it to me in coins and I'm going to, you know, blow it all tomorrow. So that sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> it would be fun. Um, but, you know, that's not really how we do it. So when you retire, you might have another 40 or 50 years to go. So it's not as much what matters in that moment today, the day that you retire, what your portfolio is doing or what your expenses are at that moment or what inflation is doing that day, but rather that you're thinking about this as it relates to your long-term objectives. If you retire at 65 and you're retiring into a recession, it's probably not the last one you're going to live through. And any good financial plan needs to take those into consideration. It needs to take into consideration a long-term inflation rate. It's not always going to be at zero point nothing like it was for the last decade or so. It's thinking about building a plan that can weather all of those different mini storms and, you know, is going to balance things out over the long term. I think many people, Isabel, have that 2008 storm still front of mind if they lived through it. And even if they didn't retire into it, they read the headlines about how that huge downturn really impacted the the standard of living that people expected, not just that year or the year after, but really for years. So I guess a lot of people right now hearing recession, recession, recession are worried about whether their portfolios will have time to recover if we are in a bear market that lasts a really long time. That seems like a really smart Worry, right? I mean, right. listen, in 2008, you know, if your plan was I'm going to sell my house and go off and re- like that was not going to happen for many, many parts of the country. Like they just lost their value. That was it. It was done and it wouldn't recover for a decade or more. Right. And this is where I think Isabel's framing of this as it has to be about your goals is so appropriate. Way he was on the show last week and he pointed out that the goal of a financial plan isn't just to accumulate, 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 although that's often what we think, but instead to provide you with the life that you want. Money is the tool that we use to get the life that we want. And a good financial plan should be set up to do just that. So If you've got a plan right now and it's structured to just try to grow your money forever without taking into consideration what you want to do with that money, when you may need that money, how much you may need and when, then I would say you need a new plan. Your financial advisor has probably done you a disservice and this bear market could hit you pretty hard. Yeah, and I think that people often become obsessed or maybe too attached and focused on a number. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've met with a prospective client that comes in and they're anchored to a million or two million, five million, if that's your mindset. The last few years have been really great. You've been doing just fine on your own, but then all that changed in 2022, and that number is a lot smaller than it used to be, and it's a scary time to 
to think about retiring now. We don't focus on a number. We focus on on a plan. The money you keep invested is likely going to keep growing with you throughout retirement. And many people are surprised just how quickly the market can sometimes recover. I mean, on average, it's about two years to get back to where you were from the valley to the peak. But in 2007, 2008 recession, it was seven years, actually. In 2020, it was only 33 days. That's why attaching just a number to your plan is not the right approach. Focus on the long-term plan instead. So for example, that means if you're thinking about retiring in a couple of years, you need to think about the distribution of your income streams. Okay, pause right there because you've just turned a really important corner. And let's just explain, like, these are two very separate challenges. Growing your money, we get that. By this point, 401ks have been around for 35 years. We know we have to put our money in and invest it. But when it comes to taking that money out, that is a challenge that we have not spent enough time talking about. Withdrawal strategy and something called sequence of return risk. Can you explain that? Sequence of return risk is really a concept that is understanding that returns are not sequential, meaning if you have a 7% long-term rate of return on average, that doesn't mean you get 7% every single year. In fact, what it might mean is that one year you get 14, the next year you get negative three, the next year you're up 11, et cetera, et cetera. So over the long term, you may get that seven, but it may never actually happen. So your returns are not sequential. They don't follow any exact pattern. So the sequence of return risk plays a role, especially for retirees, in those withdrawal rates. For example, let's say you have a million dollars and you retire and you are taking out 4%, so $40,000 a year. So the first year you have your million dollars, you take out your $40,000 and you got a 4% rate of return. So it's great. Your million dollars is still a million dollars. But the next year, the portfolio or the market is down 20%. It's a bear market. And all of a sudden you have $800,000 and you're still needing to draw out 40,000. So now that 40,000 is a much higher percentage of the 800,000 and you still take it. And now you're down to 760,000, right? And now you need to take out another 40,000 the following year. So if you have a couple of bad years in a row, all of a sudden you can kind of dig yourself into a hole if you're not adjusting your withdrawal percentage or if you're assuming too high of a rate of return. You need to use an appropriate withdrawal rate on your total portfolio, and you may need to adjust it over time to account for those negative years. Which means you really have to think about how much cash you're holding on to as you enter retirement. And I've heard you talk before, Isabel, about how, you know, an emergency fund could be anywhere from three months worth of liquid assets to 24 months worth of liquid assets. Very big range. And I, I've wondered who's three and who's 24. My guess is that the retirees here or the newly minted retirees are 24. Absolutely. So that's really the target audience for the 24-month cash reserve is someone who is at risk of this, which is if you retire into a recession and you're talking with your financial planner and your financial planner may need to say to you, hey, look, I am going to recommend that you take less than your 
projected withdrawal. But, you know, for a retiree, it's not just thinking about that cash reserve, although it's a really big piece of it. I really want you to have that cash reserve built before you retire. You know, that is a really important focus of of mine and of ours as financial planners at Edelman Financial Engines. But it's also thinking about just even small changes that may make a really big impact in your long-term planning, maybe just to offset the risk of inflation or to give you some emotional comfort. And that could be something as simple as work another three or six months to build up the cash reserve to get you to where you need to be or to pay off a high interest debt or to get through a bonus cycle. There are so many things that we as financial planners can do to help. I am always surprised, Isabel, when I hear that number, that the effect of working just another six months can be staggering, but it's something that you don't know until you run the numbers. And this is why it's so important to work with a wealth planner, especially at a time like this. It's why it's so important to have a plan and not just a number. If you want to approach retirement in a way that puts your goals first, give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call at 833-PLAN-EFE or planefe.com. It's no secret the market's been volatile, and now we're hearing talk of the R-word, recession. With all this uncertainty, one thing's clear. It's a great time to talk to an experienced wealth planner. At Edelman Financial Engines, we'll show you smart steps you can take in today's market and mistakes to avoid. Move forward with confidence. Call 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com to connect with a wealth planner. That's 833-PLAN-EFE or planefe.com. So, Isabel, we got a question from a listener who would like to remain anonymous. And he asked, how can a retiree who is forced to take RMDs by law deal with the bear market like the one that we're in right now. And let me just ask you to start by explaining RMDs. Right. This is a really common question. RMDs are required minimum distributions, and they are related to retirement accounts. So maybe it's a 401k, 403b, IRA. But for those people who are turning 72 within that calendar year, so it's not on your birthday, it's in the year that you turn 72, you have before the end of that calendar year, or if it's your first one up until April 1st of the following year to begin withdrawing. And then once you start, you have to keep doing it every single year and the number gets recalculated based on your balance. So for those who are at home trying to do it themselves to find out how much you need to withdraw, you have to figure out the account value on December 31st, the previous year. You have to go to the IRS and get their calculations worksheet um, that are updated every year for life expectancy. And then also know that there are maybe different situations that weren't different tables. So there's not just one table, there's multiple tables. It sounds so easy. Right. It's super simple. <laughs> just go out and do it on your own. It'd be no problem. So then you have to find your distribution factor listed in the calculation tables that's aligned to your age at your birthday in that current year. Which one is your birthday? When does it fall? And then you have to divide the balance of your account by the factor number that's your RMD. So that sounds like you said. Really easy. Really easy, really fun, right? Like something to do on a, on a nice, lazy Saturday. Or you can do what my mother does, which is just call her advisor and say, what's my RMD this year? 
That's probably a better strategy. (laughs) So given all of that, and let's say you decide, in fact, to work with someone and they say, oh, here's your RMD. Are there strategies that your advisor can put into action during a bear market, given that you know, required is the first word in RMD. Right. (laughs) Well, and that's sort of the issue. Because it's required, you can't have a conversation with your advisor and say, hey, I'm not going to take it this year because, you know, the market's down. I'm going to go ahead and pull from my cash reserve. No, you're actually required to take it out. So there have been some instances where, you know, we've gotten a waiver here and there if markets were really bad, but that hasn't happened in 2022, at least yet. So this is an example of a year where the markets are down and you may still be required to take that distribution, but they don't tell you when you have to take it. As long as it's between January 1 and December 31st, you have the flexibility of when and how you take it in in most cases, because I I will say that there are some types of of employer-sponsored retirement plans where they may have rules around how you can take it and, and set it up, et cetera. But in general, with IRAs, for example, you have total flexibility. You can take it monthly. You can take it quarterly. You can take it once a year. So you may be able to work with your planner to be sort of strategic in when you take it. And maybe dollar cost average, take a little bit out every month so that you're not taking it out on the wrong day, the worst possible day to take it, you know, um, or trying to time the market. That's not a good idea as it relates to to these retirement withdrawals. Now, you do also need to know that there is a penalty if you miss the deadline. So you do have to take these. And if you miss it, it's a 50% penalty of the amount of the required minimum distribution that you didn't take. So that's, yeah, ouch, that is a hefty penalty. Just because you have to take it and you do have to pay taxes on it, it doesn't mean that you have to spend it. You can take that money net of tax and reinvest it. So you can put it into your other portfolio. You can use it as a mechanism in rebalancing your overall asset allocation. It is important as you're talking to your advisor to have them, you know, they're going to be thinking about all of these things for you. um, But you need to know so that you can adjust your spending or you can adjust your cash reserves or whatever so that you can pay for some of these extra taxes or, or extra expenses related to it. I have a question, Isabel. There are people who start withdrawing from their retirement accounts before age 72 when they're able to but not required to. Do these same strategies that you're talking about, the dollar cost averaging, for example, do they apply for those people as well? Absolutely. And the only real difference in these two from a strategic standpoint is, you know, if you're under 72, it's not a required distribution. You can still do the monthly, the annual, the quarterly, you know, take it out as often as you need or make sense within your financial plan. The difference is is that you don't have to continue those. Once you're 72 and older, that number is fixed for the year. The only time it could potentially be less is if your portfolio value is less on December 31st. So now the formula that's used is based on a slightly lower number. So it, it could go down the next year, but for that entire calendar year, it's set. So you don't have the option of withdrawing less. But that's the primary difference between the two is one is required to continue and the other one is more flexible. 
And if you're just starting to think about this, you've hit 72 and you're like, wait, okay, now I've got to do this required minimum distribution. How am I going to do it? And how's it going to work? And what are the taxes going to look like? And and is it going to impact my Medicare premiums? It's too late now. I mean, now you're forced to do it. You don't really have any choice in the matter. And if you've been working with a financial planner, that's already been baked into the plan. Is it really too late? You must have people who show up at age 70 plus and say, you know what? I've been doing it myself. It's now getting very complicated. Can you help them? Well, yes, we can. I we knew can. you could. I knew Isabel could <laughs> of do course. it. Um, but it's not ideal. In a, in a perfect world, we would have all the ingredients baked into the cake ahead of time instead of trying to figure out at the last minute, you know, what's the temperature. I fully endorse, you know, if you don't have someone to help you when you are 72 – and you need help, reach out to us, reach out to somebody, get some help on it. Because as we talked about, it's extremely complicated. If you've been working with an advisor and you've been using these numbers, you've been working on these assumptions, we've already included what you're going to be taking for that required minimum distribution. We already understand how that's going to impact your taxes. We already understand how that's going to impact your Medicare premium and all the other things. We already understand how it's going to affect your overall withdrawal rate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ten years before retirement, five years before retirement, get a checkup. Just go get a checkup to see if you're on target because that gives you the runway to make the changes. I get it, Isabel. I say the same thing. It's not too late if you're 72. Pick up the phone if you're 72, but really, really pick up the phone if you're 55. So I thought that was a really, really good question. I wish that person had talked to us because it would be really interesting to ask questions back about their personal situation because so much of this, I mean, as Jean loves to say, right, it's all about your personal economy. So what might work for one person is absolutely not the right thing for another person. So clearly it's complicated. I mean, we were joking before, but it's insanely complex to be able to do this accurately and not get some kind of an insane fine because you've missed a deadline. But also, I think anybody who wants to reach out with a question, um, you know, we'd love to put you on air and, and be able to ask you questions. Yeah. And that, that's what our clients get, Soledad. You know, it's money, wealth, you know, it's all very personal. And it's so important, not just to me, but but to all my colleagues at Edelman Financial Engines. We want all of our clients to be comfortable with what we're doing for them. So as you said, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's not what's right for this caller about his RMDs. It's right for the next person about their RMDs because you may have different situation, different circumstances, different needs, different ability to have income, different tax consequences. So for listeners that are thinking about RMDs or thinking about withdrawal strategies and they want to work with someone who is going to put their best interest first, they should give us a call at 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com. With volatile markets and talk of recession, you may be wondering what to do next. We can help. At Edelman Financial Engines, you'll find experienced wealth planners who can help you uncover potential opportunities and avoid costly mistakes. Call 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com to connect with a wealth planner. That's 833-PLAN-EFE or planefe.com. So if you're well into your retirement, let's talk about withdrawal strategies then. Right. And let's actually focus on withdrawal strategies for people who are at the beginning of retirement as well. So Isabel, what are some important considerations for a good withdrawal strategy? Well, the withdrawal strategy is really thinking about three things. The first of which is 
to be able to provide an income stream. You need the income to support the goals and all of the dreams that you had and created it throughout your life and that you had set up for retirement. That withdrawal strategy also needs to help to manage the taxes that you're going to pay. So how much you're taking out every year is going to be a factor in what taxes you owe and what you're going to have to pay on your Social Security income tax and over the course of your entire retirement. Because, yeah, a lot of sources of retirement income are ones that are taxable, at least on the federal level. And then I think last but definitely not least, that withdrawal strategy needs to be one that you can feel financially secure with throughout your entire retirement with all market conditions taken into account, meaning we've already planned that withdrawal strategy to know it's sustainable in a recession or bear market or volatile market. We've taken into account inflation. So all of those things are really important factors in how your withdrawal strategy is built. I've always kind of liked the idea of using an annuity to cover my fixed costs, not for everything, knowing that I need some money to make sure that I've still got market growth to help me keep up with inflation. But to know that the food on the table, the Medicare premiums, the roof over our head and the car in the driveway is going to be covered no matter what happens with a combination of some sort of annuity that provides a paycheck and social security that I know is guaranteed. Where do you shake out on that? For a lot of people, the problem with the annuity option is that it's a permanent decision. And my goal in building financial plans for clients is to take into account the risk of the unknown. So, you know, if inflation is close to 10% and your annuity isn't going up, to me, that's a risk that is somewhat unbearable to have a fixed income and your expenses going up and up and up and up. And you look at the flip side. Well, if I had been in a portfolio with that money, I would have had better inflation protection than something that has no inflation protection. On the flip side, you're right. Having essential expenses covered by some fixed forms of income is very comforting. You need to know yourself and you need to know, again, what your alternatives are as it relates to, I'll give you this example. If, if you say, if I don't have an annuity to provide that essential income, I'm otherwise going to leave all my money in cash because I'm absolutely terrified of the market. Well, then, you know, maybe you're not the right person for an investment versus an annuity, you know? So you've got to kind of know yourself and what your limits are and what your boundaries are and understanding how much of that income stream are you going to not be able to sleep at night without? You said the word you in that explanation about 30,000 times. Personal economies, <laughs> personal economies, personal economies. Let's remind you, personal well, economies. it's true. Clearly, you are so focused on the you in this equation, the you being your client, because you have, you have this personal relationship with them. You know them, you know their lives, you know what their concerns and their fears. That's what this is all about, right? And so if our listeners are not working with somebody who puts your interest at heart, then maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to work with somebody like Isabel who gets to know you one-on-one. -on -one. And so if you've got somebody in your life, great. If you don't, time to pick up the phone and call 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com to talk to one of the 300 plus advisors from Edelman Financial Engines. 
There are other important considerations when we're talking about a good withdrawal strategy. So can we can we sort of parse what those look like? There are so many different types of withdrawal strategies. You can take systematically, you can annuitize, you can have a dividend and income strategy, but in reality, there's just so many more than than just those. Walk so, us through the biggies. So one of them is, we're going to call it the bucket strategy, where in bucket one, you've got all of your sort of short-term needs covered with short-term dollars. Now, define short-term dollars, like that's money market cash, you know, CDs, things that you can access really quickly. That's money that you might need within the next three to five years. And that's in really conservative investments or even cash, like I said. And so that's to cover your near-term needs. Then you've got bucket two, which is your medium term. And that's the money that you're going to need, let's say, over the next five or 10 years. And that bucket should be invested in a more moderate way. So it's not cash, but it's not all in the stock market either. It's in kind of longer-term fixed income assets like bond funds or uh, individual bonds, perhaps, in your case. So again, it's not all the cash, but it's not all the stock. It's sort of that intermediate-term time frame. Then you have the bucket three, which is your long-term money. So that's the money that you're going to need for 10 years plus, And therefore, you want that money to keep growing. You're going to tap into the short-term money first. Then the intermediate-term money is going to turn into the short-term money. And then eventually, you're going to be tapping into this long-term money. But it takes a lot of management. you got to keep moving things around and switching it from long-term to intermediate-term to short-term. So that can be a little bit of a struggle. Now, Jean, you were describing with the annuity stuff before, mm-hmm. right? With I want to have... My essential expense is covered by these fixed sources. Well, another strategy is thinking about the essential versus discretionary. So you may be someone who needs to have all of your essential expenses covered by fixed income streams. So you want your annuity, your social security, your pension, whatever else you have to cover your basic bills the mortgage, the healthcare, food, and then all the extra stuff, the stuff that you want, your discretionary stuff, eating out, the clothes, travel, whatever, that is covered by sources of income that are potentially more variable, meaning your investments and not just you know, a fixed number. And that's where you can get your growth. That's where you can have potentially your inflation protection, That's et me. And That's um, me. Except I would like you to move eating out into essential rather than discretionary. <laughs> right. We all define, you know, essential and discretionary a little bit differently. Um, and then the next is a, a fixed rate withdrawal. And this is the one that I prefer most, which is taking systematic withdrawals, coming up with what's the right number for me. And it, maybe it's a percentage you know, maybe it's just a number, you're really going to have to work with your financial planner to figure out what this number is. And it is going to work out to some percentage of your portfolio, but it's taking the same amount out every single month. So you basically are taking money out of your portfolio and using it like a paycheck. And that number is fixed for that year. And maybe the next year it goes up a little bit because of inflation. And then the year after that, it goes up a little bit because of inflation. You have a, a systematic plan to take money out over the long term and you can adjust it slightly upwards. But what is important is that that number not start out too high or that it not get too high as a percentage of your portfolio value. And so in those down years, you might have to adjust downwards slightly? You may, you may. You know, it's it's happened before. I've had that conversation with clients. You know, the market is down a lot. Let's say it's 2007, 2008. You may need to take a little less right now than you were taking before. And if you can't kind of emotionally bear that and you say, 
That's just not going to cut it for me. My expenses are completely set. I have no flexibility whatsoever. Then, you know, Jean, maybe to your point, maybe you're not someone who is really the right fit for an investment strategy income stream. You might be someone who needs to have the pensions, the social security income to provide that. Just for you. a little bit of both. One from column A, one from column B is, is absolutely going to work for me. Isabel, we got to leave it there. So much great information. Clearly, this is a topic we are going to need to come back to, and we hope that we'll be able to do it with you. A big thank you to Isabel Barrow. Nice to see you, Isabel. Anytime. It's been great being here. Thanks for having me. And that is our show today. If you've got a question or a topic that you'd like us to discuss, just go to planefe.com. Go to the Everyday Wealth page. You can also download our podcast right there or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you back here next week. Markets are volatile and there's talk of recession. It's time to take action. Talk to an experienced wealth planner from Edelman Financial Engines. Call 833-PLAN-EFE or visit planefe.com. Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky is sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Listen in each week to hear fresh and compelling insights and strategies to help you elevate your financial potential. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com. Find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.